Ho, ho, ho. Merry Christmas. Ho, ho, ho. Well, howdy! Welcome to Herb's Podcast Christmas Trees. What can I do for you, son? Well, I'm looking for a podcast Christmas tree for our show. What do you have? Oh, we got some nice new finger ones right here. Uh, yeah. Got anything more traditional? Well, let me see. about this? But puny, isn't it? Well, put some lights on, some tinsel. Why, it'll be as pretty as a milkmaid's knee. Okay, okay. I'll take it. Pleasure to do business with you, son. By the way, what's your podcast? Ahem. Live from the internet. Gaming on the Frontier. This is Bruce. And this is Trav. Welcome to Gaming on the Frontier, your podcast of giving your characters the best things possible as if you are Father Christmas. You wrapped it like that? Who wrapped this for you? you Mom did. With your, yeah, oh, boy. Yeah. Wrap this with your feet? Yeah. This is, this is, and where's the tape? We used it all. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> You ever get one of those packages where it's like, okay, I may eventually get this open, but yeah, I, I have know. a funny story. I have a funny story about that later. It happened to my sister. Anyways, okay, welcome to Gaming on the Frontier. This week we are doing our Christmas episode, and we are talking about gifts. You know, uh, for you know, basically for the characters, and therefore for the player characters because it's their characters, right? And um, and we and we wanted to basically look at all the different uh, tabletop RPGs that are out there and say what would be like the perfect gift to give, you know, through whatever means necessary, you know, whether it's you know, uh, you know, GM fiat, whether it's uh, they find it as part of a quest, uh, gods give it to you, uh, whatever, you know. The point is that they get it and they and they get to keep it. And what you know, and what would be the most awesome thing? For your for that character to get, uh, or you know, and so there's going to be a uh, and I'm looking for like the Uber gift, um, but you know, if I'm you know, if you think that it makes a big difference between one type of character and another type of character, we can talk about it. Got another system you want to go versatility. to? Versatility. That was good. I like that. Yeah. Oh God. Let's see. Um, let's try, we'll go back to Palladium with, uh, Rifts. I haven't played it, so yeah. I'm gonna, I'm gonna just let you talk about it. Okay, for those of you who don't know about Rifts, uh, post-apocalyptic 300, so like maybe the 2400s, uh, basically World War Three limited nuclear exchange down in Central America, Deaths cause ley lines to flare. Ley lines cause destruction, causing more deaths. Ley lines, deaths. Unsolviter, on and on, ad infinitum. The earth has changed. Rips, is op rips have opened all over. Beings from other realms have come in, and now humanity has tried to rebuild amidst all this. 
you have cyber tech, you have magic, psionics, superpowers, mecha, power armor. It's so basically of, everything. Yeah, it's a melting pot, and a lot of people have described it. Uh, those who are, well, how can we put this, not fans of Sambita's work, it's like a 15-year-old kid with ADHD made the game. But, yeah, it's... it's well, how old was he when he made the game? Like 18 or 19. I don't know if he has yeah. ADHD, but still, that's... <laughs> okay, let me put it this way. That's one of the nicer complaints I've heard about Rips over the past 30 years. I mean, I've, I've played the game. I have almost all the books except for maybe the last few years. I mean, I got the one bookshelf that's full of all the Palladium stuff, so I really can't badmouth them. But these are the things I've heard. But basically, it is a post-apocalyptic melting pot. If you want to be something, you could be a mutated animal. You could be a dragon. You could be, yeah. I would say probably the biggest thing to have there, Universal Translator. Because of the fact you have all these alien races, you have all of these fantasy races, you have, and and remember, there's no worldwide communications, that satellite uplinks, there's satellites that have since burned up and you know fallen to earth and burned up, so there's no satellite communications at all. There's also like a, a particle field that keeps things from going out into space, basically a nano field that just shreds anything that gets past a certain point. So you have all of these languages that have separated over 300 years, but you can still rift travel and there's the iconic character in rifts. Oh God, Erin Tarn. And she rifts from all the places around the world and other dimensions. And I'm thinking, I've seen your stats. You don't know all these languages. So yeah, universal translator. Because you're bouncing around from place to place and let, you know, let it build up a, you know, let it go for about a minute. The person talks and then it'll give you, okay, you can now communicate with this person because it now has a database. So, yeah. Because you have such the wide variance of languages, you not only have all the human pigeons that have erupted, you have the dwarven, you have the, um, oh, elven and draconic are, are together. Dragonese. I was going to say Draconic. Uh, you've got Gobbly, which is a mixture of Orc, Goblin, and uh, Giant, I think. And so, yeah, Universal Translator and Rifts would be the thing I'd want the most. The best thing I can say, and you've already mentioned it, is I would want a dragon. <laughs> Those things are very intimidating. So, you know... Uh, they're, you know, they're hard to feed, <laughs> uh, but like I said, the, you, you can fly up where people, you know, get a good lay of the land. It's good for strategy. Um, uh, you know, it, it, it's probably smarter than you are. Give you good advice. Oh yeah. Even, even the, you can play a dragon hatchling in, in. Yeah. I didn't want yeah. to play a dragon. I wanted to have a dragon. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah. Like, like a, like an NPC. Yeah. Okay. You know, like 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 a you know uh, like a henchman. Oh no! If it were, <laughs> you'd be the henchman. It would just be fine. I will help you, human. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay. I, I'm willing. I'm willing to you know them to be condescending. That's what I mentioned about J.P. Withers. He's very condescending. Well, yeah. He has a right to. Yeah. He, <laughs> yeah. Well, so do dragons. Yeah. So yeah. So I'd like that very much. Okay. So uh, uh, all right. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna pick Fringeworthy. 
Oh, okay. Which, for those of you who don't know what Fringeworthy is, it's a game of interdimensional exploration where every possible reality can exist in an alternate Earth. Yep. So, you, you, basically, what what you find in your game is basically what the GM decided to add in as a place you went to. So, anything is really possible to give to people in Fringeworthy. Uh, those, the reality in which they're currently in may not support things like magic or other things, but... You know, it's uh, usually a lot of really cool stuff, futuristic, ancient, whatever, forgotten knowledge and such can be available. So, um, and so to me, you know, uh, I would like Supercar. <laughs> if, you've re if you've ever watched the Gary uh, Anderson, uh, was the first series he ever made, it's a pup. It was used, they use puppets, okay, you know, marionettes. Super, super marionation, I believe. Super marionation is what they called it. Yeah. It was called Supercar. Um, and it was it was basically this car that was designed by the scientists, and it was um, and it was flown by their pilot who also owned the company, and his name was Mike Mercury. Anyways, this thing was amazing. I, I saw it, you know, when I was very young, and I said, oh, man, I really want that. And if I was in Fringeworthy where such a thing is possible, that would definitely be something that I would want the GM to give to me, make available to me. It has air-breathing jet engines with okay. and retractable wings uh, that allow it to fly, you know, um, uh, and also do vertical takeoff and landing. Oh, wow. Like an airplane, okay? It has retro rockets on the side to slow it in case it's going really, really fast or it needs to slow down real quick. And on land, it rode on a cushion of air rather than wheels. Okay. It also had non-air-breathing rocket engines that allowed it to travel underwater like a submarine and to fly into outer space. Okay. Right. The vehicle's navigation system contained what was called clear view that allowed the pilot to see through fog and smoke as if it wasn't there. So basically, it was like an augmented reality system. Okay, all right. Okay. And, you know, of course, the government was like, we really want you to, like, you know, submit all your plans and information to us because we'd love to, you know, use that in our military. And they were, and this is a different time. And they were like, well, yeah, we, we'd rather just keep it in-house. You know, you guys, you, you just you, know, you stay with your aircraft carriers and jet planes and things like that. Supercar belongs to us. You can't have it. So it was like the scene in Iron Man 2 with Tony Stark in front of uh, Gary Shandling. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. but I mean, because you know, bas they basically said you can't have it. You know, today in our country, we, we are what's referred to as a national security state, and they can demand it. Yeah, but make... in those days they could not. They had not changed the laws to allow that to happen. <clears throat> you know, so yeah. the most they could do is like uh, uh, force force your, you to give up your land so they could put a a, a road over it. Eminent but they could eminent domain, yeah. but they couldn't just go and take somebody's research under the name of national security. Yeah. So. Anyway, so they they had this, and they and but they so the government was always like, uh, you know, uh, one of our rocket ships is in space and it's not answering. Could you like fly up there and find out what's going on? Okay, I think we can work it into our schedule. Yeah, <laughs> and and so they would do all kinds of crazy things like that. So, anyways, it was just like the perfect vehicle to have. 
you know, and uh, it, it, it's it's seeded four, you oh, know, okay. which is which is a nice grouping of, uh, of of adventures, and you know, it had like a retractable top, like uh, uh, like in Speed Racer, the yeah. Mach Five. So it was it's a very cool thing, and if you have never seen it, I highly recommend. There's, I'm sure there's got to be at least one episode on YouTube for you to check it out. So I would say go check that out, and I would love to have that, you know, in, uh, you know. <clears throat> as as a character in French League, that'd be something cool, super cool. Hmm. So, what would you give as the Uber thing, and 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 not a rainbow crystal? <laughs> what would be the Uber item you would give to a character? Wow, then that well, then okay, then I guess Doc Box would be the thing that yeah, yeah. Oh well, yeah, sure, sure. Uh, basically. A damn near sentient medical kit that will help you do everything short of like genetic engineering. I mean, you can bring people back from the dead, regenerate cells, cure. It disease. doesn't bring them back from the dead, but that's about the oh, only thing it doesn't do. No, oh, it's okay. the only thing. It, yeah. Okay. As long as they're still relative, as long as they're within the three minutes before brain death, you know, it can basically get them back. Okay, so it can revive somebody like a. a defibrillator or whatever yeah okay well but more yeah. than that i'm just saying is that if they if their heart had stopped and they've been stopped for a while and you have a dock box you could pull it out and you know open it up and it would stabilize them and then they could start fixing them yeah but still kind of hard to do sometimes in the middle of combat but right, combats but were fast and friendworthy so yeah. but yeah so you still have this incredible god tech med kit basically yeah definitely god tech so yeah, I I would say, Doc Box. Yeah, you're thinking of the um, uh, Auto Doc that was in uh, FTL and Incursion. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. yeah, that could literally bring somebody back from the dead up to like a week. Yeah. Yeah. But still, that type of medical technology, I would just be like, oh yeah, you're a paramedic. Oh no, you just got the glow up, son. Here you go. Yeah. All right. Okay. So you got got a, another game system you want to go to? Oh, let's see. Oh, here we go. One that I'm running. I'm wrapping up the campaign now since we're in the TriTech vein. Hardwired Interland. Okay. That is my Friday game now. Um. God, there's a couple of things that I would want. All right. Hardwire Hinterland is the place you get to by accidentally turning left. Yeah. And it's, it's kind of like the way you learn how to fly in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy. And you find yourself in this strange uh, environment where there's these islands that are 100, I'm sorry, 200 miles square. They're squares, 200 miles on the side. And they're separated by another 200 miles of water, making this huge grid of islands. And each island has a, a completely different culture on it because the people who have arrived here over time basically all kind of segregated themselves to different islands and made the, the, the kind of world that they wanted to live in. So you've got places that are, you know, uh, uh, they're like tropical islands and the other places are like New York City. And, and some places are, you know, horrible uh, post-apocalyptic nightmares. You know, no one built that, by the way, it just happened to be there. But there are still people who live there. 
<laughs> so well, there is a an agency that are trying to get the people out to other environs, and yeah, so yeah. Oh, so see. the game well, is about you basically, you know, going on missions and exploring and stuff. Yeah. And you hop on a DC three and go fly somewhere, right? Because, because there's like there's a zillion of them on this one island, and so you just basically put one together, yep. You know, while fending off the uh, uh, religiously uh, the I I Garnosh. Imagine white apes with, you know, white furred apes, two brains, one at each end of the spinal column, and they worship. These the DC threes. They worship the DC as gods, and you're trying to take their god away. Yeah, so yeah. So you get these swarms of white furred apes that you literally have to shoot in the head and basically in the butt to kill them. So and they have like spears with glass tips. And I've actually run them in you know, I converted to OGL as one of the first adventures in this hardwired inlet campaign, and they're like why are these things so hard to kill? They got a brain at each end of their spinal column, and furs like literally they got a brain in their ass. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, just like dinosaurs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, let's see. One thing I would like. Uh, they have these things. Oh God, it's where you can just they they spit out one after another, and I'm blanking on the name right now. Basically, the one that kicks out cans of spam. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, they have these. They have these little devices they find. Or basically, it's like a it it, it it's like a uh, tablet. Okay, you have basically a frame, and you throw stuff through the opening. And when you throw enough stuff through the opening, something drops, forms, and drops out the other side. And so, like. Like one could produce spam. You throw enough garbage makers. Through, that's what they're called. Makers. Make yeah, th garbage into the the frame, and spam pops out the other side. Yeah, they have they have super big ones too. Uh, but the the one that Trav's talking about generally is is hand carried. Yeah, and it's just they've got ones that make food, and one of them it's. So you want to spam one, or do you want to make something else? People need to eat. Yeah, you don't age, you don't have disease in their inner land, and you regenerate injuries at time, but you all still got to eat. I would make fat cash with a spam uh, maker, just where it spits out a full can of spam, you pop it open, and there's that, you know, you know, that lovely pink... Beat stuff with the gel on top. Quivering flesh, that Quiver, quivering, yeah. the, in, in in that jelly, um, and, and, and see here's whatever. The thing. And, and and folks, they're gonna. Be, some of y'all don't like this term. I use it because I was trailer trash. There ain't no shame in a fried couple of spite uh, slices of fried slam spam in between hamburger buns with some mustard on it. There you ain't slam no that spam down onto no. your skillet oh, and. Yeah. Fry it up throw a piece of throw throw a piece of Velveeta on it, and uh, stick it stick it on uh, two pieces of uh, of toasted uh, sliced bread with some Hunt's ketchup on it. Yeah. Oh no, I was I was just straight <laughs> up no no cheese, just two slices of fried spam and a hamburger bun, some mustard. I was good to go. Yeah. Yeah. So oh, oh I've been there. Yeah, so no, what what what's that term, Bruce? The struggle was real. Yeah. <laughs> the struggle was real, right. Okay. 
But, yeah. Uh, and another one. Oh, okay. So go ahead. No, no, just and and it 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 the NPC has it in my campaign, so it helps with as well. There is on the environ of Little Texas the only oil well in the hinterland. I would want that. <laughs> oh, okay. <Yeah. laughs> All right, gonna or give them another. Uh, I mean, there could. I mean, outside the known realm, there are more environs, right, and maybe yeah. one of them has a well on it. Oh, yeah, sure, sure. Yeah, when I okay. it, yeah, it just no. The one oil well. Oh no. You would because yeah, that's the source of all lubricants and stuff for all the DC threes. Excuse me, and yeah, the money would come. Either one of those, you would be a very wealthy man short in short time. Yes, or wealthy person. Let's put it that way. Yeah. All right. Interrupt. All right. So for me, okay, uh, and I know that I'm I'm kind of you know, uh, you, you can see a pattern which is I tend to go toward <laughs> transportation. Okay. okay? Uh, and so what I, and I even per, per made these available. I tried to get Richard to incorporate it, but he just wouldn't do it. Okay. Because he had, he wanted, you know, uh, the DC threes to be, you know, and they wanted it to be the, like a 1920, you know, uh, wing walking, yeah. you know, wings over America thing and nothing too high tech. Right. Okay. The biggest problem in the hinterland, and, and Trav just mentioned, is the fact that there is almost no petroleum, yeah. you know, which is necessary in order to make airplane fuel. Yeah. All right. So what they were able, what they did was, is that they retrofitted them to use alcohol engines or biodiesel. Yeah. Or no, what was the term they had for it? Gork. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Okay. The problem is, is that that has significantly less energy per quart or whatever. Yeah. yeah. So getting it, getting and and the primary planes they're using are these DC threes. They're big cargo planes. Yeah. How do you get a plane like that up off the runway? All right. And the way they did it was, is that there's a magical crystal. I use the word magic. It's not supposed to be magic. It's supposed to be science. But anyways, you know, there is a crystal that when you put it into a cage in a certain way with certain magnets and electricity at a certain frequency, anything that is grounded, not grounded, I should say, not grounded, all right, it's insulated, you know, it will produce a electrical field. Everything inside of it is reduced in weight up to 90%. Yeah. Therefore, your DC-3 now is as light as styrofoam. Yeah. And a alcohol engine is more than capable of lifting, getting that to lift off, even carrying cargo. Yep. Okay? So, I said to myself, self, <laughs> you don't need a DC-3. You just need a lightning crystal. And I said to myself, what if we took that armature whatever... And we took a bunch of and I and I put on a pair of, of of hip waders, and I attached it to myself, and I turned it on. I would now weigh one tenth of my normal weight. How high could I jump? How fast oh. could I run? And if I used anything like you know little wings, or if I put springs on my feet like they. You know that I you, you might see some people have used you know for 
Uh, he says, I, I, you know, I wouldn't be able to, obviously I couldn't fly the 200 miles between uh, environs, but I could kind of fly, all right, on this world with this thing. And I had, you know, uh, I had basically bad people using them as a kind of, uh, you know, troubleshooters. I mean, it's kind of like boarding type equipment, jumping from plane to plane and, 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 and doing, you know, jumping over walls and attacking people, just springing around like grasshoppers, okay? And the player characters had to fight against them and not very effectively. Oh, no, I could see where, because basically... Let me look this up here. Give me a bit. I have to look up because I, I know what it would do. It would be kind of like they were in zero G or very low gravity. Yeah. You're very so, low. Essentially, I was recreating the, ju the, the jumping packs that were used in the original Buck Rogers. In the original Buck Rogers, they had a material called Ultra, uh, uh, Inotron, which basically fell upwards. And, and what they would do is that they would they would carry on their backs a backpack full of this dense material that was being repelled by gravity and essentially negating their weight down to a, a, a pound or a few ounces. And that way they were able to make like 300 foot leaps and they could jump up in the air 100 yeah. feet. And, 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 and as long as they didn't run into something with their still the same amount of mass, actually double the mass in the case of Buck Rogers, because you had that backpack full of stuff, in which case it was very ugly, uh, you were golden. I mean, you could essentially, you, you had mobile troops. It was like what they were supposed to be doing with the Rocketeer, except you know, he yeah. was actually flying, you know, but... I'm just saying is so this thing was doable. It it wasn't that hard to make, and it you know it and it only took like a, a relatively small battery supply to keep it working. And I was like, and 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 a very small lightning crystal, which is what it was used to to make that to make that thing work. Yeah. And I was like, why don't we do this? This is the coolest thing. You know, I mean, yeah, sure, we need the DC three, but. We don't have to, you know, we don't have to do it like that. It is and if you jump off of a plane with 90% of your weight gone, you can almost float down to the ground. Okay. It takes um, a very small, I mean, you oh, literally yeah. can, you literally can squirrel suit it all the way down to the ground. Uh, I would use for the rules then if I were to, let's say, and even though the game is wrapping up, let's say I use it just for something in the game while I'm still running it. I would just do the low gravity rules. Characters can jump twice as far, twice as high and as far, and can lift twice as much. Movement speed is unaffected. Each range increment for ranged weapons is doubled. Creatures that fall within an area would, would fall like that. 1d6 points of damage for every 20 feet fallen. I don't know See, if I you're, you're, you're There you, you've basically got 50%, but what if it was 90? It'd be a lot less. Oh, no. And I a lot more. Use, I, I would use the no gravity rules then, just, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, but but even then, uh, ten t lifting. Uh, Just multiply everything to I ten. Yeah, yeah. Ranging. I mean, you can't go over and like not you know knock a door in. You can't go over and pick up a. You can pick up a rock if you were. You can't pick up a rock because it would be. You'd have to get like a 
rubber sheet under it to isolate it so it would be you know ele electrically neutral then you could lift up a rock yeah. a big rock like that but okay, i'm just saying I, is i'd it, have to amend these rules a little but yeah basically yeah. as far as your movement goes yeah you'd be bounding all over the place and oh right. I, I could see my people on the on the friday game trying to get these people if they had like like well have fun with it trav thank you it's my gift to you thank you sir <laughs> Yeah, happy holidays. Thank you. They, yeah. uh, they, they, you know, I mean, they, they tried to catch these guys. They literally ran away from them faster oh, than yeah. they could travel. They were trying to chase them in cars and motorcycles, and they were going faster than they were over broken ground, of course. Yeah. Because they're going over broken ground because the roads suck, you know. And, uh, and these guys are literally leaping and bounding and leaping and bounding before they know they're gone. So, yeah. Anyways, uh, so that's what I would do in Hardwire Hereland because, okay. you know, I, I'm always big in favor of using the unique uh, characteristics that are in a game system, in a, ga in a game world, you know, because then you're, you're, you, you feel like you're really leveraging the environment in a way rather than just doing just something that would work anywhere. So, yeah. Okay. Uh, all right. So you did Hardwire Hereland. Let's go over to uh, FTL 2448, which is basically the equivalent technology of Babylon 5. As a matter of fact, in many regards, I mean, Richard, of course, being prescient, wrote a game that essentially was Babylon 5 20, 30 years before Babylon 5 ever existed. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it's, you know, it's, it's a game in the, in the you know, basically in 400 years in the future, Technology is understandable. It is, you know, progressed the way you thought. There are big structures like space stations in space. People are traveling faster than light, but you still feel like the technology isn't like magic like it is on Star Trek. Yeah. You know, it's you a still, very hard sci fi based game. Right. It was, it was supposed to be, you know, much, you know, Compared to some of the other games out there, much harder, and there were a, there was a lot of rules about how to make ships and AIs oh, yeah. and, and various oh, yeah. things like that. So this is this is a this is a realistic space game. So uh, which of course I'm going to immediately ignore because it also included psionic powers. Yeah. So the and I would, and what I would do is I would give to uh, this character. Um, I would give them a psionic power called object teleportation. Okay. And what that means is, is that they can summon to themselves an object that they know where it is within a reasonable amount of distance, probably from their ship, into their hands for them to use when they need it. So somebody comes over and a bunch of guys starts giving you trouble. Bam! I have a chain gun on, in my hands and on my body. Yeah. Or I have a med kit, or I have, you know, a, a, a an ice cold, you know, Coca Cola can of Coca Cola to hand to a dignitary who's looking for a, some kind of a of an unusual gift. Yeah. Okay. You know, you can basically use, you know, it's it's essentially like, you know, uh, a magical. Uh, you know, a magical backpack, except it's not a backpack. You're literally doing it out of nothing. You know, uh, where you reach in, you pull out the things you want. Okay, you just basically summon it, you know, whatever you need into your hands when you need it. It's, you know, object teleportation. And I, that's, the, that's the psychic power I would give to, you know, somebody 
in the game. And I and I say that because I know that somebody uh, somebody who was running a game of FTL 2048, they gave that to somebody and he was awesome with it. As now, 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 now here's the thing. You would really have to be a good GM and say, okay, would this be something that would be on the ship or in your quarters or in a supply locker somewhere? If so, yeah, they, they'd have to have a list of items. Yep. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, you know, unless it's common, in which case, you know, right. I mean, yeah. I mean, if you're looking for a bottle of Jack Daniels and it's over there behind the bar, right. it's in my hand. Yeah. Right. Yeah. <laughs> I can summon that because yeah. I can see it. Yep. yep. But if you can't see it, it has to be something that you know where it and where it is. It has to be within a reasonable bottle range. You're not sucking it up from the planetary service. I, I could see where you get in a you get in a fight and you thought something was somewhere on the ship and you come back, you're limping. All right, who moved my gun? <laughs> you look like crap. What happened to you? Well, I wouldn't have looked like crap if somebody hadn't moved my gun. <laughs> well, someone goes and runs in and tries to grab a piece of equipment that you've been that you have. <laughs> They're like, "Where's this? Oh, it's right here." Yeah. And they look at you. You took it, didn't you? Yeah. Your point. Yeah. And I didn't even Why? Have to touch it. Yeah. Yeah. I needed it. <laughs> so did I. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we all do, don't we? Yeah. yeah he's yeah. definitely the wrong person when there's only you know one of something. <laughs> Oh yeah, but no, also the perfect thief. Oh, I didn't. Yeah, I did All not. You so I just mentioned about the the yeah. bottle of Jack the the two, the four hundred year old bottle of Jack Daniels that's behind the bar. Oh, I'm not a fan of Jack Daniels, but come on, four hundred year old whiskey. It's like that phrase Harry Morgan said: "Mash." There wouldn't be enough O's and smooth. Yeah. Okay, let's see. Okay, so what yeah. would you give somebody in FTL 2448? <laughs> Star map of all the uh, lost cultures that are out there, all their worlds. Because you had the Akiti, you had the Mazback, you had the Trabottle, and they were the, the lost cult. That was as close as Rich got to Okay, there are beings with God tech, but their 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 history show they all died out like two hundred thousand years ago, and they're all on like the north. See, this was some of the stuff that I got from Rich when I sent him that forty question letter. Uh huh. He sent me the pack of all these lost races from FTL, so okay. I I incorporated them in that. You remember I ran the FTL twenty four forty eight you know a couple of right. years back with um. Slarg Skull Crusher, the Tugan that referred to himself in the third person by his racial name. So it'd be like, Tugan, hungry, you know? And so, yeah, I would want a map of all that stuff because all the stuff you could find, you, you, you get like government backing or corporate backing or university backing or ISCO backing, the stuff you could find if you knew where to look. You would just be incredibly wealthy, powerful, reputable. It's like, yeah, this guy's been finding all the artifacts from all the lost cultures on the the northern edge of known space because apparently... yeah. Do you have that, more than the three races that are in the lost uh, races file? 
Those are the three that just came off the top of my head at the time. Those are the there's, three. There's that, like there's like four. There's the Grathen. There's the Parn. There's the well. well those Huck. aren't so much. Well, those I, I'm talking the, the the long dead cultures. I'm talking the ones that like. The well, Indian, I don't know which ones those are. You yeah, may the, have some stuff that that I don't have. Oh, and really? So please um, send it to me. Okay. All right. All right. <laughs> no, there were these two races: the Akiti and the Mazback. The Akiti were, I think, the insectoid ones, maybe about four and a half feet tall. Then you had the Mazback, who were kind of like the the Fritzians, kind of tall, thin, and they were kind of looking like greys. And they basically just got in each other's way and wiped each other out, and they took out, like, oh, yeah, suns went nova, and we did biologically engineered plagues. and Yeah, and so their artifacts are all over... And I want to say the northern edge of known space in the FTL is more toward the core of the Milky Way. So it would core word areas of the, and it's just all these worlds of the Trabottle, which were like three foot tall lemurs. And they were, they were the biotech people. They were about as close in FTL as you would get to Termellard Tech. They would literally have trees as spaceships. Yeah, well, the Krelvin. The Krelvin, well, I wouldn't call them a lost race. They're more an elder race. They weren't a lost race. Were they? Yeah, it's, it's, yeah they, they were the ones that genetic engineering was a game to them. And often, yeah, you can go to a Krelvin and get genetically engineered, but don't mind the tentacle coming out of your chest or the extra tail or the third eye. All I wanted was photosynthetic hair. Yeah, but, yeah but you but you look better this way. Yeah, you, that third eye, see, you see better. You saw it better in the mirror. I hate you. Yeah. yeah nobody <laughs> wants to date me now. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> and even the people who are into that third eye stuff are looking at me going, uh, no. Yeah. No, I would want the map to all of those lost races worlds and just Look, yeah. Okay. Archaeologist smorgasbord. So you you want basically something that gives you secret information that ev nobody else has. Oh yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And then right, you walk to ISCO or a gov or another government or a university or a corporation. Oh no, they'll give you a blank check. Yeah, you want to go. Well, you got to be real careful if you have information. I mean, that's worth something, and people will take it from you. Yeah, yeah. So that's one of those things where you may, you know, you you may need to to you know, as the saying goes, you know, take one page out of the book and hide the book yeah, someplace, yeah. and, and show them this. that you don't don't have everything in one spot. Yeah, no, you never put all your cards out on the table. Yeah, but still, it's people do it all the time. If if you get it to where you pique their interest and give them a little proof, like you've already been out there and you bring something back. It's like, give me ships and, and, and workers and we can get more. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. You would already go and have something to show to ISC. Yeah, like, and they're like, I don't know. You know, we've, you know, it's, you know, we're not, we're not going to be doing the budget process for another, you know, quarter. <laughs> so come back then and, 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 and pitch, Pitch your, uh, you know, you, you get your get your uh, budget Elevator together. Pitch. Yeah, yeah. And get your budget together so we can see whether or not we, you know, what what you know what uh, humanitarian effort we have to cut in order to pay for your, uh, you know, your your journey of exploration.
Well, that's why I would already also have gotten something from there to make it go like, yeah, there's plenty more where this came from. They'll they'll clear their books. They'll clear you think, their schedule. You think yeah. it's like uh, that's where that's why sometimes people go to uh, private investors, you know, angels and such, to uh, because they uh, those people have money to spend. Yeah, they just it's just a question of how much of the pie do you have to give up. All right, so uh, all right then, uh, what is uh, the next one you want to do? How about a pulp game? I'm trying to recall a pulp setting here. Um, well, there's Marvel superheroes. There's uh, there's there's I think it's called Gangbusters. There's um, that one. Um, oh, uh, t Tales. Yeah, there's Adventure D20, so that's a pulp setting. But yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay, we'll do. A pulp setting, and I'm choosing adventure from the Trinity universe. The story, either the storytelling universe or the D20 stuff from White Wolf. So it's 1924, and the Hammersmith incident, where a machine. Oh, we're trying to capture this telluric energy to help power things, and it blows up and it changes a bunch of people. And so, there's no magic. There's if there is psi, it's due to Z rays or Z waves. But so other than that, it's your typical two-fisted pulp-type setting. Let's see. So let me, let me go and like run my mind quickly through my Doc Savage books. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, yeah. They're that type of setting. Doc Savage, Shadow, the Avenger. Okay, for me... Well, they have it in the adventure setting you can make. It's called Silk Steel Cloth. And I actually use this for the pulp game I'm wrapping up on my Saturday game, where it's, yeah, it adds extra DR to, you like bullets bounce off. You could be in one of those um, pinstripe, this pinstripe suits of the era. Zoom yeah. suits. And okay. uh, Jeff DeRep is playing, <clears throat> let me get the voice right here. Knuckles Delucci. Oh yes. And his and his identity when he is, you know, trying to fight other is Tony the Fist. You know, usually you have them mobsters with the middle name of the, you know. And he has, and all of them do, because I have the weird scientist, you know, who makes all the weird inventions and stuff, and it's that the the pulp type tech. The silk steel clothing where basically it's bulletproof. And considering you got people with Tommy guns running around, that would come in real useful. It's kind of, okay, imagine if you've seen John Wick out there, the tactical tuxedo that John Wick got while in Rome with the plating inside and everything. It's just, it, it still feels like cloth. There's no plates inside. It's the cloth itself is made from whatever weird science material, that basically it's bulletproof. Right. I would want that if I were in a pulp setting and I knew that I was going to deal with punches and bullets and arrows and knives. and So it'd be like the best of Kevlar with armor plating and it's still flexible and lightweight and yeah. 
because you deal with that type of stuff in pulp where you're usually in an opportune setting to get your butt kicked at one time or another. So yeah, I would want that type of lightweight, easy to wear protection that is incognito. It does not look like you're wearing armor at all. Mm -hmm. Okay. All right. I want Dick Tracy's wrist radio. Ah, yes. Because communicating over a distance, especially to like, you know, the police force and stuff like that was very difficult in those days. I mean, you you didn't have time in the middle of a battle to go over and get on a phone and call the police. Okay. Um, and, And also you could use it to talk to each other. So, you know, I mean, uh, radios were big backpack affairs yep. that they had to, they, you know, that they had to turn a, uh, a generator on to get enough power to, crank. Yeah. To, to run it for a few minutes, you know, in order to uh, broadcast, you know, a, a radio signal. So having, you know, uh, a battery powered wrist radio that would allow you to keep, you know, would give you a real tactical advantage with your team versus anybody you were up against. Oh yeah. So yeah, that's, uh, and, and, you know, limiting myself just to the technology that would exist, you know, in this kind of era, that would be, that would be one of the number one things that I would want because having grown up reading Dick Tracy and seeing his wrist radio turn into the television, you know, Which now, of course, we all have on our phone (laughs) and doing FaceTime uh, or Zoom or whatever, or Skype, what you're doing now. It was uh, back then it was, you know, um, considered an amazing, you know, futuristic technology. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, definitely that. Okay. Um, All right. I'm going to go to Marvel superheroes. All right. And I know and you're not, I know you're not a fan of the phase rip system. You told me this before, but still, Marvel superheroes. I'm sorry, that was one of the games I cut my teeth on with my original group. Right, right. Yeah. Well, the only thing I had against Marvel superheroes was the fact that is it when it was first released, it didn't they didn't give you any rules for making your own superheroes. I mean, you yeah, know, they was, did. No, they didn't. No, they absolutely did not. Okay, they came out with them later. But the very first edition oh, did not okay. have any oh, rules. Okay. You were expected to play Marvel superheroes that already existed in the comic books. Okay. I must have started in with when there was a character creation system. Okay. Right, right. And so that was, and I was like, wait, I mean, having played champions already, I yeah. was really shocked when I couldn't couldn't do this. Okay. Oh, okay. And I mean, and obviously, yes, you could have done it. But I mean, it, it's... It, 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 you would have to do all the heavy lifting yourself, okay? Yeah. And and as a as a new GM, you know it was you know hard you know it was it was hard enough to t- to learn a new system when you've spent all of your available brain power learning the D and D system, oh, which yeah. was very complicated. You know, first edition and second edition, a whole lot of disparate tables, you know, all being used to to run this. And and now I got this new system and. I want to, you know, so anyways, uh, but I always felt that the symbiote got a bad deal, okay, because it's it's all, it always, if it, it first glommed on to Spider-Man, and Spider-Man was a great 
person to be for if you were a symbiote he is a great person to be with because he has all these powers he's noble he's always looking for action he's exciting to be around and you can really help him be a better superhero okay so but what happens is is that you know spider-man rejects it because it it's kind of saps his strength a little bit and uh it gets rid of it and it looks around for somebody who really really needs it and it gloms on to probably you know people with terrible personality traits and you know and it becomes basically horrible it, it amplifies all of their bad qualities and they become super villains with the, the symbiote yeah. You know, and I always felt that if it, it, there, there should have been, well, I mean, it's a, it's a comic book, so therefore, you know, they wanted to make it into a, a villain. They've changed it quite a bit, you know, in the uh, movies where it's actually a, from another planet and it's it's a race all its own and blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, anyways, it's, uh, you know, it, it has a very distinct personality. It talks to Eddie Brock, you know, and so forth. And, and, you know, sometimes you don't know whether it's Eddie Brock talking or it's talking or whatever. But the point here is, is that I always felt that the symbiote, you know, should have gotten a better deal. You know, Spider-Man wasn't a good choice. There should have been somebody else who it could have enhanced, and everybody, you know, everybody would have liked each other. You know, and it would have been a it would have been a good deal for everybody. And so that's so I would if I was playing Marvel superhero I would want someone to give me the symbiote and I would like you know I would bond the hell out, uh, out of it with it you know and do every and and be literally be more not only all I can be but more because it would be enhancing all with, the with, things here, Here's the thing with how you say you want are you going to name it George Maybe because you're sitting there. I will love it. Then pet it. Then squeeze it. <laughs> yeah. Well, I might call it Sue and 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 have a relationship with it too. Hey, you hey, know. Hey. No one hey. ever says. I mean, it, it's all a bromance with Eddie yeah. Brock, and but it doesn't have to be. You know, it could be something a I bit. Saw, I don't know. I saw that first movie where it was Lady Venom. I, I'm, you know, hey, there were there were some you know fine lines there. Just. You know, yeah. yeah, there's yeah, there's okay. a there's a whole thing on Facebook. There is a group called um, uh, Wholesome Monster Girls. Oh no! <laughs> and it has wonderful stuff in it. You know these really horrible creatures, but they they really want to have a loving relationship with a human. So you know, and you're like, yeah, I can I can see you know that you know the you know it's it's not chitinous all over. It's got you know it's 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 got some soft spots. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you know, and it wants to be with me, and you know, and and stuff like that. Anyways, it's succubus it's, uh, looking for long term healthy relationship. Yeah, yeah, kinda, healthy, kinda like, healthy, kind of like healthy Facebook relationship. Dating. Yeah, like a dating. Yeah. yeah, it's like you know, I you know, I I'm gonna I, I'm all I'm I'm not going to like life drain you, honey. I want to keep you around. Okay, just you know, just bad people. I just wanted an open relationship. I'll drain them. You're safe, yeah. honey. Yeah. Right. Uh, but I always come home to you. I'll so. give you, I'm, I know I'm a Medusa. I'll give you these reflective shades that you wear when you're around me, and I'll try right. not to have the snakes bite you too much. Yeah, they're, they're yeah. silvered, so it's like, you know, yeah. It's, yeah. It, yeah. it protects you. Right, yeah. right. 
I'm just seeing this going all, dude. I'm just seeing this this whole group going all sorts of wrong. Just right. <laughs> well, okay. It, maybe, maybe not. Like I said, it can be very wholesome too. Okay. So, like I said, I thought always felt the symbiote should should have gotten a, 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 a should have gotten a better break than it did. I, I think that's why they started in the comic books giving it the anti-hero shift, and now it's as we see it with in the two Venom movies by Sony. I think it's because people were realizing there's potential for this character to be a kick-ass hero. Problem is, it's still this simple. Okay, anti-hero is as close we'll get. We'll work. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. Anti-hero's good. Yeah. You know, but I'm just, you know, it's, anyways, it's, uh, so that's the way I would have gone with, uh, with Marvel superheroes would be, I would have wanted the, the symbiote. Okay. How about you? Oh, God. And it's, I haven't played this game since like 88, 89. Okay, it's going to be a while. Yeah, but you've seen lots of Marvel properties. And oh, stuff, yeah, so yeah, yeah. Um, you're familiar with it. So it's just, don't, you can think, I mean, the game system didn't really keep any, it basically said, whatever you got, here's the power level for it. So that's all the game system really did. So within the intellectual property of, of Marvel superheroes, that world, I would want, okay, well, I mean, if we're going that far, I would want the collapsible tech. Basically, we saw it with, like, Tony Stark when he uh, he had the gauntlet, the watch that turned to a gauntlet. So, I mean, he could punch hard, he could blast, and it could withstand bullets. That type of collapsible tech. Wouldn't be a full power suit, but just something... Either arms or legs. Oh, I could run fast, or I could, you know, squeeze something really hard. Or, yeah, the scene there when Tony realized after Bucky shot him in the hand, oh crap, it actually stopped the bullet. It worked. <laughs> this is the thing that came out of the suitcase, right? Out of the, the briefcase. No, Civil War, when Bucky was running from everybody in the building, he was, he, Black Widow fought him. Uh, T'Challa finally took a shot at him and lost him, but it was when Tony Stark was there and they're wrestling. I mean, Tony can fight. I mean, he he was taught hand-to-hand. He learned. And so him and Bucky are going at it and Bucky pulls out. He already had the collapsible Iron Man gloves on and then Tony grabbed Bucky's gun and Bucky fired and we just see the smoke come out of Tony's hand around the barrel of the gun and you see the look, and that look was, oh crap, it worked. I thought I was going to get my hand blown off. I want that collapsible tech. Things that in a moment I would have, as I said, shoes and gloves, I'd be happy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my players in Fringeworry, at one point, they said, I'd like to, you know, the, I'd like to have the helmet that they, they had in the movie Lost in Space. Um, uh, with um, oh, uh, Mac LeBlanc, where, Mac LeBlanc, where it just literally from his collar, it just kind of yeah. like rolled up over his head. Yeah. Yes, and he that. says it gave him air supply and everything else, and his face was protected. Oh, it's and like the Star Lord mask, the same thing. Yeah, kind of like that. Yeah, because that way you don't worry about your most vulnerable spot on your body. You don't have to worry about your eyes, your mouth. All that stuff, you got air coming, and you could just you could take a hit anywhere else, and you're probably going to survive it. So yeah, okay. Um, how about uh, Star Wars? <laughs> okay, all right. 
let's see. And and there's a lot that we can take from that because we have all the the pre Disney Legends timeline and then the current timeline they have now. Let's see. And I and I've been on a Star Wars bent lately. Fur and I over the past couple weekends have been doing a uh, things have been a little stressful. So Star Wars and of course she and I get to the point we've both seen them enough we mst3k them so we're sitting there making all these jokes and everything and the now 10 year old has just this look like oh god please you two stop it's like you're the one constantly wanting baby yoda we don't want to hear it you know but let's see star wars yeah I don't know if I was in the Star Wars universe, I would, and they don't have them a lot. They had them in like, you know, the prequel era. They didn't have them a lot once the Empire kicked in. I like the starfighters that had the rings that you hooked into that gave you hyperspace. And then when cool. you get to your system, you just detach the starfighter, go to the world, do you have to, come back, hook up, you're out of the system. That's a very nice thing. Because um, Obi-Wan had that when he went to um, episode two. What was it? The water planet with the clones. Camino. Well, yeah, I don't remember the name of the planet, but he was basically you know following up on the Trade Federation. Yeah. So, yeah, it just... I, w- I would want a starfighter with the hyperspace ring attachment. Easy travel and just, yeah. That that two piece thing really you know really worked yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. okay and uh, you can see where everybody can have one of those and you know and they just all go zooming off and then you've got this little squad of of fighters going down onto the planet and landing wherever they need to because you don't need a huge runway or whatever because it's not they're, they're not that big yeah they're it's all, really a two seater yeah really yeah. just yeah. So, sure, that sounds very good, yeah. I was basically saying I want an astromech with a brave heart. Oh, okay. I want R2-D2. Oh, yeah. I want R2, yep. He's, I mean, of all the characters, uh, you know, toward the end, I kind of got a feel. In the first one, when you saw it in episode four, he seemed kind of young and inexperienced and, and, and you know, he was almost like a, a sidekick, you know, a younger sidekick, like a little brother, but it was really smart and stuff. It could really help you out when you needed it, you know. I, I mean, but then, of course, after seeing it all the way through as we have, we now know that R2 is like, he's, a, he's an ancient. He, this, this, this mech has seen a lot, <laughs> okay. Yeah, this this mech was. Let's see. Uh, episode one was thirty two years, but and this is stuff that Fur hates that I know the timeline and everything. Thirty two years before episode four, and then episode nine ends up thirty six years after that. So this that that droid had like almost seventy years of adventures from episode one all the way to episode nine. Right. This doesn't talk very much because. You know, when you get to a certain age, you just stop talking because right. you just if people don't understand, there's no point trying to explain it to well, them. Well, also, come on, it's the running joke. R2 was the, R2 had the foulest mouth off, what, foulest mouth of all. Why do you think they had to bleep out everything? Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, I see what you did there. Thank yes. you. But, 
Don't know. Astromech droid? Okay, yeah. Yeah, definitely would like, you know, I mean, but a brave one, not the other ones that basically chickened out like crazy. Okay, well, they did with the Mandalorian and, you know, when Pelly bought him and had him there, he redeemed himself because he was helping Mando out in the complex at the end of season three. So, yeah. Oh, no, when I, when I, I Fur and I were watching that, I go, no. That's the droid when Luke bought uh, 3PO and R2. It didn't out the top. Same droid. She's right. looking at it and I said, you are not stopping this to go back to episode four. Trust me. <laughs> uh, I would immediately free it because droids are slaves. And, you know, I would want any droid that I have knowing that you're with me because you want to be with me, not because I'm your master. Right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because there's a there's entirely too much slavery in the Star Wars universe. Oh yeah. So yeah. Okay. Well, thanks. Uh, I actually have like a whole bunch more, but we we've run out of time. So I want to thank everyone for listening to us. We hope you have a great Christmas and you get you get the present you really wanted. And we hope and if your GM uh, and don't be afraid to ask your GM as a special Christmas bonus to give you something that you really, really want, you know, either by just outright giving it to you or by giving a quest that will allow you to actually get it. You know, it's not wrong to ask the GM for adventures to go a certain way. You know, it's it's the way you get paid for your your hard work of playing a character. So don't, you know, go ahead and do that. And we hope that you'll... Uh, uh, you'll use it to bring the awesome to your table because, I mean, how could it not if it's exactly what you wanted? Well, uh, let real quick, I just, okay, two things. One, contacting us is really easy. Fans of the Gaming on the Frontier podcast on Facebook. We have the Bureau 13 agents everywhere and the French were the RPG fans groups on Facebook. You can contact us via the Podbean page, tritechsystems.podbean.com. Uh, putting reviews on iTunes, you know, the more stars, the better. Yeah, um, give us five stars. We're no, yes, working yes. hard on oh, this. Yeah, yeah, we, we're, we're just started season 15 here, folks, about a month or so ago. Um, Tell your friends about us. We'd yeah, like more listeners. Um, we are relatively easy to find on social media. Um I, 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 again, not trying to break my own arm, pat myself on the back, but I think out of the three of us, I have the biggest digital footprint. If you right. can find me, contact me. I will be more than happy to let Bruce and Jonathan know, hey, we got a reply. You know, my buddy got a reply on this episode. He's asking this about it. Yeah. However, I've had the same email address, bsheffer at AOL.com for, what, 40 years? <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah. So yeah, both of us are easy to find as far as an address is concerned. If you just go on to Google and and and, and uh, use our names, you probably yeah. find it. As far as contact, also for me for the holidays, I would like every personally, you know, I Robert Trav Pulaski would like all of you to have the best holiday possible, whatever you celebrate. Food, fun, family. Don't break your bank trying to get gifts for people if you don't have the money. Also, with how things are these days, a nice gift would be like, here's $100 and know you're behind on your electric bills, or you are short on food, or you're short on gas to do stuff. 
those are acceptable gifts to people, but just we're supposed to be good all year round, but just really ramp it up this time of year. There are a lot of people out there who they're going to need it. So just spread the love, folks. It's the holiday season. Yeah, hold your friends close and your family closer. Okay, that's not how I know the phrase, but okay. (laughs) And we will see you in... uh, uh, in the new year and let you know, let's let's make it awesome so we'll have more for you next week but you'll have to wait until then this is bruce sheffer saying there are a million million worlds out there so go explore them and this is trav there's a reason why it's called gaming it's for having fun gaming on the frontier podcast is wholly owned by its hosts it is released under the creative commons 3.0 license No commercial reproduction and any use of any element of the podcast must be attributed to the Gaming on the Frontier podcast. Hi, this is Trav from the Travcast. Listen to me Tuesday nights, 8 to 10 p.m. Eastern on listen.dementiaradio.org colon 8027.